everybody, this is Dan Horn, uh, writer of the comic book Ben. Um, today uh, is our podcast for the 5th of April, 2012. It's April already. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> today, uh, joining me is Hervé Saint-Louis. Uh, he is the editor-in-chief of thecomicbookben.com. Um, and we also have with us Brandon Barrows, uh, who is the creator of... Um, Several uh, creator of properties, uh, most notably is Jackhammer, uh, which will be uh, coming out um, here soon from Action Labs Entertainment. Um, and he's got uh, Jackhammer in Diamond Previews now, which is no small feat. How are you, Brandon? I'm good. Good. Glad to be here. Hi, Brandon. Hey, Hervey. <laughs> so, uh, Brandon, go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about Jackhammer. I have to admit to not being real familiar with the series, but um, I'd love to hear uh, what it's about. And uh, it sounds interesting. The first book is called Political Science, and I am well, intrigued. <laughs> Jackhammer is about uh, a private detective named Jack McGriskin. Uh he lives in a world that is virtually identical to ours, except superhumans are real, but there's very few of them. And because they are a distinct minority, uh, they're a very scary thing for a lot of people, understandably. Uh, this is a world where being a superhuman is totally illegal. Uh, there's very few, there's very few situations in which you can be a superhuman and walk the streets freely. So because of that, most superhumans are criminals just by their nature, whether they want to be in a perfect world or not. Uh, Jack McGriskin is a former superhero. Uh, in this world, there are no superheroes left anymore. He is somebody who tried it, didn't like it. Something came about in the past, I won't spoil it for anybody, and the government cracked down. Through a story that I will deal with at some point in the future, Jack became one of the very few who has his freedom. <laughs> but as things are now, he's a private detective, and he tries very hard to live down the fact that he was once a superhero, hence the name Jack Hammer, which was his superhero name, uh, is a name that he's been trying to live down for 20 some odd years. In fact, in the opening scene in Jack Hammer, uh, a cop that he had sort of a love-hate relationship refers to him as Jack Hammer, and uh, he gets rather upset at that. If, uh, <laughs> if you got a chance to read the, uh, the review, yeah, copy, that's something. Yeah, I did. Yeah, and as far as the book goes, uh, it starts off at a very street level. Jack is hired to find him a new person. He finds the gentleman dead, and when his employer tells him, okay, thank you very much, have a nice life, he scratches his head and goes, now wait a minute, I would want to find out what happened to this guy if I was if I was this company. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I better stick my nose in here whether they want me to or not. And he ends up discovering this, this massive, massive conspiracy that just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And of course, he, eventually he gets to the point where it's really over his head, but he's in too deep to get out. Hmm. That sounds awesome. And it sounds like it's uh, got some interesting commentary. Uh, what kind of... Um, you know, uh, what in, uh, you know, current events has, has kind of informed uh, this book? Well, I this, this actually came to me, this idea, back during the last presidential election, 
and it kind of germinated in the back of my head for a long time. Um, I actually I started writing it at uh, the very end of 2009, but I've been thinking about it for for well over a year at that point. One of the things that that really irritates me about politics is that nobody, no matter how well intentioned, ever really says what they mean. Yeah. And the whole I know that's politics. I mean, I studied politics in college, so I know I know that's the game, but it still bothers me. Mm-hmm. And one of the tenets in in jackhammer political science is that nobody says what they mean, but everybody wants something, and mm-hmm. everybody is trying to figure out what everybody else really wants. Mm-hmm. And Jack, for one, just gets sick of it and uh he basically decides he's just gonna he's just gonna power through it. He's gonna bull his way through any situation that he comes across because he he's sick of all the BS and he's just gonna cut he's just gonna cut everybody else down if they get his way. Mm-hmm. Um, the the name of the storyline is a double entendre that I can't really explain without someone having read the book um, and not ruin parts of mm-hmm. it for them, so I won't. But <laughs> If you read the book, if you read the book cover to cover, by the time you get to the end, uh, it's, it's pretty apparent what it means. Mm-hmm. And the reason I did that, I'm trying to figure out again how to how to explain this without spoiling it for anybody. The reason I did that is that I wanted to take that whole co- political concept of getting what you want without saying what you want, and kind of twist it and exaggerate it a little bit. And maybe show that there is a nastier side to that that you and I probably will never see, but that is absolutely happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously the the politicians in our world they don't deal with things like superpowers, but if they if if they were real, we would absolutely see the kind of situations in this book in real life. Yeah, well, that's an interesting uh, way of dealing with it. I mean, we've seen a lot of you know. Uh, what if superheroes were real uh, type comic books before, but I'm not sure that it's ever been dealt with in a, in, you know, uh, American political uh, landscape, I guess. <laughs> oh, well, thanks. I, I was trying to go for something different. Um, I, I'm a big fan of superheroes in general, but uh, I, I don't like a lot of the superhero books that are published just because they're, they're so repetitive, you know, two yeah. guys in costumes beat on each other for 20 pages, <laughs> yeah. rinse and repeat. So I, I love heroes, but I didn't want to do something like that. Um, I'm also a big fan of, uh, of crime noir. I, yeah. I love detective fiction. I love old noir movies. And I wanted to do something that integrated the, the sort of concept of uh, a bigger-than-life hero with uh, that sort of darker, seedier, mystery-type yeah. world. That's awesome. What kind of uh, what what noir movies have you uh, are your favorites? What, oh, what kind gosh. of inspires you? <laughs> um, let me think here for a second. Honestly, I have not had a lot of time to watch movies the last couple of years. But uh, uh. oh, let me see. Um, well, I, I'll give you one of the obvious answers. One of the obvious answers is uh, uh, the Maltese Falcon. That is yeah. a great movie. Oh gosh, there's one with there's one with Peter Laird. I'm thinking of. I cannot, I can't think of the title of it. Actually, I think I just sent somebody an email about that. Let me see if I can find it. Um, oh gosh, um, Laird Krieger. That's what I'm thinking of. Laird okay. Krieger, one of the one of the greatest 
villain character actors in in history. Um, he did a lot of stuff in the he did a lot of stuff in the 30s and 40s, and he's one of those actors that you just have to see to mm-hmm. believe how how evil and awesome this guy can be. Um, oh gosh, this is driving me nuts. I can't think of the name of this movie. It's got the <laughs> It's got Peter Lore in it too, in, in just this really great slimy role. Um, oh gosh, I can't think of it, but that's alright. Um, we'll give you a pass on that one. <laughs> yeah, give, give me a pass on that one. If I, if I think of it, I'll come back to it. Okay, right. cool. That's uh, well. What are uh, some of the other books that you're working on? Um, do you have anything else in your? In your repertoire, waiting in the wings, or <laughs> I do actually. Um, I, I I've got a science fiction graphic novel that was actually uh, more or less completed just this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few there's a few story pages that need to be lettered, but the the book is is, is basically done. Um, it's a sci-fi book called Voyaga. It is it started off as my homage to 1950s style sci-fi. Um, and it's kind of it's kind of taken on a life of its own since then. It's uh, it's a story of an astronaut named Dean Kirkland, who is supposed to be the first astronaut to leave our solar system. Um, he's put into cryogenic suspension. He's gonna he's gonna sleep for a thousand years basically, as his ship travels at sub light speed to uh, uh, another another planetary system, and his ship is repeatedly delayed due to unusual inclement weather. Uh, totally unpredictable, and then war breaks out, uh, the Third World War, and the government has greater concerns, so he's kind of forgotten about, and then a thousand years later, he wakes up still on Earth, totally disoriented, but uh, because he's already made his peace long ago with giving up the, the world and the life that he knew, he decides, I'm an explorer, I might as well explore the world that I find myself in, and mm-hmm. he, just sort of, he just sort of dives into the, this world that uh, he's really an alien in, despite the fact that he's still on Earth. So he comes. So his ship comes back to Earth, right? Uh, his ship actually never even leaves. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. His, his ship is his ship is still um, docked at Cape Canaveral. Uh, hmm. Docked. I don't know if that's the right term. Uh, <laughs> his, his, his ship never leaves Cape Canaveral. They're supposed hmm. to uh, launch him, and uh, this freak storm just comes out of nowhere and. They've got no choice but to scrub the launch, and the weather doesn't clear up for months and months and months. And by the time it does, uh, war breaks out between the U.S. and uh, some unnamed uh, country somewhere else. I kind of left that up to the reader to decide uh, mm-hmm. which which uh, country is most likely to have attacked. But uh, yeah, because people have other things on their mind, uh, space exploration is not uh, is not that important at that time. Yeah, so he kind of gets left behind. But, kind uh, of, kind of like today, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, I, I don't, I don't imagine that that would be, that would go over too well if somebody tried to do that today. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he wakes up in this world, and uh, at first he thinks he's all alone. But uh, it's got a little bit of a Twilight Zone feel to it. Uh, it wasn't my intention, but people who've uh, who've read it have said it definitely reminds them of an old Twilight Zone uh, uh, episode, mm-hmm. kind of mixed with a little bit of. Uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs. Oh, nice. That's a that's a nice mix. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm actually looking for a publisher for that right now. Oh, okay, but, you uh, know with Spry. Uh, but, um, you know with the current publisher for Jack Hammer with that, right? Uh, no, that's... Uh, I I have sent that to uh, one of the editors at Action Lab, but uh, nothing has been decided yet. 
Okay. Okay. And who's the artist on that one? What's that? The artist on the graphic. Oh, the one. artist on that one. Um, Ionic, the same artist who did uh, Jack Hammer and has oh, done cool. the bulk of it. Cool. I like him. Um, the, the very first part of it is a prologue that was designed to be a standalone that could be read by itself, and that was done by uh, an artist named Rudolf Montemeyer. Um, I'm not sure what you guys might have might have heard of that he's done. Uh, oh, he did uh, he did Hollow Eyed Mary for for Devil's Due Publishing. Ah, uh, okay. Ago. Yeah. That's sort of that's sort of like sci-fi horror graphic novel. Okay. Yeah. Well, how did you uh, how did you get hooked up with um, artists like him and uh, Ionic? Well, um, Ionic I actually found on a website called conceptart.org. Mm-hmm. Um, I met him years ago at this point, and uh, when I first started wanting to make comics, I wanted to draw them myself, and I spent yeah. a full year drawing a comic that. Uh, when I was done, I was very proud of it, and then I quickly realized that the art sucked, uh, <laughs> and I am not an artist. Uh-huh. So uh, I actually I published that in the mini comic, and I, I gave it out to some friends, and they basically said, uh, you know, you're not an artist. Focus on the writing <laughs> portion, yeah. uh, which you know it's fine. I you know I enjoy writing, and I, I wasn't an artist like I said. So I poked <laughs> around, and I I had to be honest, bad luck finding. Uh, artists through websites like DeviantArt. I kept finding yeah. people that were that were excited and then they didn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't even remember how I found conceptart.org, but uh, it's actually, it's one of those, it's not specifically a comic book website, it's mm-hmm. just a general website for artists looking for work. Okay. And I happened to see this, this post that Ionic had made basically saying, um, I'm a professional artist, but I've never done comics that I'd really like to if anybody wants to get together. Mm-hmm. And his art was so incredible, I figured he probably had hundreds of offers, but I figured, why not? And to my surprise, he said that nobody else had emailed him. Oh, wow. And he would love to He would love to do something. And we've been working together ever since. That was almost three years ago at this point. Wow. Yeah. Serious. Um, and actually, I think I, found, I think I found, met Rudolph through there as well. I think, if I recall, I posted something and he emailed me. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, for his first comic, I mean, his, his comic book storytelling is quite good for someone who hasn't done comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a, he's a very, very talented artist. Um, I'm, I'm very lucky to uh, to have found him, and he's a, he's a great guy, too. He's, he's been really good to work with. Yeah, I find that the style really fits the, the series, anyway. So, yeah, it yeah. does. It, it's got a gritty tone to it yeah. that uh, that uh, he really he really captured the, the spirit of the, the noir sort of aspect to it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So tell us a little bit how, I mean, uh, you've got a, a publisher now um, that's uh, recognized by Diamond, but tell us a little bit about your early uh, sojourn into, you know, creator and comics and, and how, um, you know, everything came together uh, with the um, Action Labs and, how long it took you to get a, a, a spot with them? Um, well, when I when I first started on Jack Hammer, um, I had kind of stars in my eyes. I had this image that, uh, you know, I had this great artist. I had this this story I was really proud of, mm-hmm. and that you know somebody would just come down and say, "This is brilliant. I want to publish this." Mm-hmm. And obviously, it doesn't work like that because everybody everybody must think that when they start out. Um, and I had sent the first five pages of the book 
to several of the big publishers uh, like Image and Dark Horse, and I didn't hear anything back, so I, I sent it to several smaller publishers, and I, I basically got the same response from all of them. The art's great, it looks really interesting, but we've never heard of you. Yeah. And it, it's very yeah. hard to get established, I discovered. So while Ionic was working on Jack Hammer, uh, I started writing every little short story that I ever had floating around in the back of my head. Mm-hmm. And I found several other artists that, that you know, were doing these, these six, eight, ten-page short stories. And I was submitting them to all sorts of anthologies. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not sure off the top of my head what the first anthology I got a story accepted in but after a few months, I started getting stories published in the small in these small press anthologies on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And after a while, when I was sending in submissions for things like Jack Hammer to bigger publishers, I could say, you know, I've had work published by this publisher, this publisher, this publisher, this publisher. And yeah. you know, even if they've never heard of the publishers, at least it, it shows that you've got something under your belt. Exactly. And a lot of yeah. people really, a lot of people really want to see that. They don't want to take, they don't want to take a chance on someone who's never done anything. <laughs> um, and you know, I understand that. It makes perfect sense if you if you sit down and think about it for a second, even if it can be frustrating to break into the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Action Lab, I actually they've got a great book called Princeless. Um, yeah. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read the first issue of that um, for one of the, the digital comics outlets, and I went, "This is an awesome book." And mm-hmm. I, I did some research, looked up Action Lab, and I said, "You know, if if these guys." will have me. I want to be part of the world that they're building because all their books that I've read are fantastic. And yeah. I, I sent them Jack Hammer and literally the next day I got an I got an email from their, their creative director, Dave Blanche, saying, Hey man, when can I get you on the phone to talk about this? I want to publish this book. Oh, that's uh, awesome. It's good. It was. It was it was a really great moment. I, I told my wife and she was like, Oh, finally and I was like, <laughs> that's what's that supposed to mean? <laughs> but uh, you know, it was a very it was a very exciting moment, and the guys from Action Lab have been really great. Um, it's uh, I'm very excited for have Jack Hammer come out through those guys. Um, I think they're going to be I think they're just going to get bigger and bigger, and I think they're going to do great things in the, the coming years. Mm-hmm. So um, when when does Jack Hammer uh, when is it going to be released? Um, it's coming out at the end of June. I forget if it's the the third week of the month or the fourth week of the month, but uh, it's in it's in previews right now, so yeah. it'll be out in June. And it's uh, I think yeah, whatever the last whatever the second to last or the last Wednesday of the month is, it'll be out um, in stores. Very cool. So you guys will be ready to. Hawk your wares at uh, Comic Con, right? <laughs> yeah, San Diego. I'm not going. I'm not going to San Diego. I wish I was. Oh, come uh, on. <laughs> but yeah, I know. And I still got the day job. I got I got to slave away at. But yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I would love to go to. I would love to go to San Diego. I'm not sure if. Uh, I imagine someone from Action I will be there. I'm not sure who, because um, their their creative director uh, is in California, and so is some of the uh, the artists that they work with extensively. Oh, but uh, I'm sure someone will have Jack Hammer there. Awesome. Well, I'll keep an eye out for it. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. So what else are you, uh, besides the um, the two comics you mentioned, Well, are you working on, on something else? Uh, I am. I've got, a, I've got a Western series called Western Edition that uh, I started kind of as a challenge to myself. It started with one story uh, about two and a half years ago. Uh, somebody had told me at one point that some of my some of my my comics were dialogue heavy, 
So I wanted to challenge myself to write a nearly silent story. Uh, I limited myself to 30 words, whether they were they were captions or uh, or actual dialogue. And I sat down, thought about it, and I ended up writing this 10-page Western story that was just a tremendous amount of fun. And I didn't want to stop writing. I didn't want to stop writing this world, but because the story was designed as a standalone, I had to kind of figure out how to work it in there. So. I came up with the concept uh, that I eventually named Western Edition about this fictional town in Colorado. And the series is, uh, a, how do I put this? It's a series of interrelated standalone stories. Each issue has two 10-page stories. Uh, it's told in a nonlinear fashion, but when you read the book in the order in which it's designed to be published, you pick up bits and pieces. And my concept was of a lifelong resident of this town telling stories about it as they think of them. Mm -hmm. You know, import, important incidents that might stick out in your memory, but not necessarily in the order that they happened. Yeah. Um, so when you read the stories, they make perfect sense on their own. You may not know who all the characters are, but it won't necessarily matter for that story. But mm -hmm. then maybe four stories later you go, oh, okay, I see what's going on there. That makes so much more sense. Mm-hmm. So it's all kind of, it's all kind of interconnected. Um, that one, because of the nature of it, I had intended to do it as a series, and uh, several editors had told me that it would work better as a graphic novel. So uh, the artist that I'm working with on that is uh, here and there working with working on the stories for that, and it'll it'll probably be a little while before we're ready, but sooner or later we'll have a nice uh, probably 150 page or so book. Where you nice. can just sit down and read the whole and read the whole uh, story in one sitting. That's great. Yeah. So tell us more about Jack Hammer. Like, um, well, I, I haven't finished reading the story. I mean, uh, it's a hundred pages. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Come on, Hermé. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've read at least the first issue, and I've read, and I'm in the middle of the second. Yeah. Uh, is, is it meant to be like a? You, you said. Graphic novel, but is it meant uh, to be like a mini series or what? Yeah, it was originally intended to be a mini series. Okay. Um, and actually, actually, I've ended up doing it as a, as a single volume, okay. um, which is, you know, it's fine. It, it actually works out better in a lot of ways because then folks don't have to worry about hunting down the issues. You okay. can sit down and read the whole thing in one uh, in one sitting. Um, is it riskier for Diamond a graphic novel? Uh, I think it's actually I think it's actually better yeah. for Diamond and the publishers because then they only have to worry about soliciting it once. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> especially the publisher. You know, if you've got if you've got a series, you know, you have to hype every issue because there'll always be people there'll always be people that they've read the first issue, they're gonna read the, they're gonna read the rest of them. But you've also got the crowd that if you don't remind them, they won't. And when you do a single when you do a single volume, you only have to advertise, you only have to hype it once and then it's out there and you know, you can move on to the next thing. Okay. Um, are there going to be more Jackhammer stories after that? Oh, absolutely. I've actually written the, the next two series, or uh, one-shots, or however they end up being published. Mm -hmm. um, the, the next one is uh, it's a little bit less action-oriented than political science. It's, there's a little bit more sort of a, uh, a psychological aspect to it. The It's one story in sort of two different halves. The first story, the first half of the story 
has a main storyline that sort of focuses on uh, Ramona Harrow, Jack's uh, assistant. Mm -hmm. And Jack has a, a mystery to solve sort of as a subplot. We spend most of our time with Ramona going back and forth between her and Jack. And then the second half of the, second half of the story um, is about Jack dealing with events from the first half of the story. Um, and that was actually, that one was actually designed to be set to, to be a single story. It's a little shorter than political science. I think it ends up, uh, like 60 pages. Okay. So you can sit down, you can sit down and read the whole thing. That one actually also has a backup story in it, um, about a character, about a character in Jack's world that we don't see in political science or the second storyline, but who will appear in the third one. And rather than taking, rather than having him just come out of nowhere in the third story, I wanted to have him have his own little short, so people get a feel for the character before then, um, because he's actually a character that is actually older than Jack in terms of when I created him, but he's one of those characters that I didn't know what to do with until <laughs> I realized that he fits perfectly into Jack's world. Yeah. So uh, yeah, he's actually he's he's not really a private investigator. He's really sort of more of a professional smash and grab artist for hire, but nice. uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he he is known to both Jack and uh, and uh, Charlie Martin, the the Boston police detective. In fact, Detective Martin also has his own uh, solo adventures. He's got uh, he's had two solo adventures that I've written for him that actually appear in an anthology from Grim Crew Comics called Extraordinary. Um, I think we're due for the third issue is out in May and he's got he's got a story in that what about Interesting. what about the driver um, um it, it Stu actually also has his own solo story you <laughs> have, have a solo story in issue two of extraordinary that uh it came out in February and that's actually it's a really fun story it was, it was done in black and white by Ionic but it's something that uh I think we're going to go back in color and include in one of the future Jack Hammer books. Okay. Cool. Uh, it, it's, it's a really fun little story. I love, I love Stu because he's a goofy character, but he's a character that really wants to be taken seriously. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. He's a uh, character no. that really wants to be taken seriously, and uh, I just wrote this fun little 12-page story about him walking into a situation that he's totally unprepared for, And uh, really trying to play the hero, and it it sort of works out for him, sort of doesn't. But uh, it's a much lighter tone story than uh, than any of the the Jack the actual Jack Hammer stuff that uh, I've read. Because um, the relationship that they had reminded me of uh, what's his name, uh, Constantine and uh, Chas. Is it Chas? Oh yeah, Chas. Yep. I've actually not I've actually not read much Constantine. Um, I've only gotten into him in the last six months or so. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. It's actually, it's funny that you say that because nobody has mentioned that to me. But, uh, <laughs> well, I guess it, I guess it kind of makes sense because the way <laughs> I envisioned their relationship is Stu is sort of Jack's kid brother that he never wanted. <laughs> okay. And I did see the Constantine movie and I didn't realize that that character was actually, uh, it was, it's, uh, Shia LaBeouf played the character in that. I didn't yeah. realize that was actually somebody from the comics because his character felt kind of shoehorned into that movie. I thought yeah. it was somebody that they just made up for the movie, but uh, yeah, I can see that comparison as being as being valid because uh, 
Stu is sort of a hero junkie. Mm. He, uh, you know, he's, if, there, if there are superhero trading cards, he'd, he'd have them. Mm. But, uh, yeah, he, he's got a little bit of a hero worship going for Jack. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I mean, speaking of uh, Chaz in the movie, I, I think you're right. I'm not sure that I've read a Hellblazer comic that's had him in it. But then again, I mean, that series oh. has been going on for, for a long time. I haven't read, <laughs> you know, half of the issues, so. Yeah, I think I've read, like, ten of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I was actually, I was actually uh, Constantine was not what I expected. But, uh, yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's, it's a great book. I enjoyed it, but... Uh, yeah. It, it's it's much more the stuff I read it anyway is much more uh, humorous than I was anticipating. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot yeah. of funny stuff in it. I thought it was a more serious book. Not that I'm complaining. I did. I have liked what I've read. Yeah. Well, I think the movie was uh, <laughs> super melodramatic interpretation of what the comic books were. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think it was a bad movie, but it would never make my top 100 favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I've read tons of uh, Hellblazer, so. Um, yeah, Chas has always been there, and he's the driver, which is why I found that the relationship a bit funny. Um, is Chas in Hellblazer? Oh, yeah. Is he really? Oh, oh yeah. Man, I, have not, I haven't seen him. <laughs> oh, he's, they, well, okay, well, he used to be there way back. I don't know if he's, I, I don't read Hellblazer these days, so I don't know. Yeah. But he yeah. used to be like a regular character in the early series. Okay, like the uh, Jamie Delano days? He, um, all the way to, uh, is it was it Garth Ennis? Yeah, Garth Ennis had a long run. Yeah, uh, all the way to Garth Ennis, he was a regular in there. Oh, okay. Oh, I know Garth Ennis wrote Constantine. Yeah. Yeah, oh, he wrote I it might, for. I might look for those. I love him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You need to uh, get raked at the gate of hell. Yeah. That's a classic Garth Ennis um, Hellblazer. Well, uh, speaking speaking of Hellblazer, we just had Mike Carey on uh, last week. And, um, he wrote, oh, really? uh, That's cool. yeah, we, uh, he wrote, uh, all his engines, um, uh, awesome Hellblazer story. That's a good one to look up to. No, I just thought that their, the relationship was a, a bit similar. So, but, uh, that, that's cool. I mean, it's really fun. Uh, yeah. It's, it's quite funny actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, there's a, there's a scene with, with Stu in the, the third issue that you'll like if you like Stu. <laughs> There's one that, uh, he's, how do I put this? He's pissed off. And, uh, I, I was trying to think of how the, when I wrote it, I was trying to think of how would this character who is impossible to take seriously, would, would how would he react when he's really, really angry? But <laughs> at the same time, he still wants Jack to like him, so he doesn't want to go too far and push anybody, push any buttons that he knows he shouldn't. So I won't spoil it for you, because I imagine you'll read it sooner or later. But, uh, yeah, there's a scene in the third issue that I think you'll like if you like Stu. Cool. Uh, I read it tonight. I mean, uh, I didn't have time to finish it. That's why. Oh, no, don't worry about it. That's cool. Shoot me, shoot me an email, though. Let me know what you thought. Oh, I'll probably write a review about it anyway. Oh, awesome. Cool. No, uh, probably. I'll reading that, then. Uh, usually, I, re I review almost everything I read, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm in the opposite boat. I, I read a lot and then review maybe two or three books. <laughs> yeah, I, I write for, for a website called Cosmic Book News, and I read a ton of comics too, but, you know, if I end up reviewing two a week, that's that's, yeah. pretty, that's pretty good for me usually. Once in a while, I'll read something that uh, 
I, I just like so much I can't not write a review because uh, uh, CBN actually sends stuff out to us and says, hey, uh, you want to review this? Mm-hmm. But uh, every once in a while, I'll stumble across something on my own and be like, this is such a great book, I have to tell the world. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I actually just did that with uh, a book from a, a new publisher called Monsterverse that uh, that Carrie Gamill owns, uh, the art, the, the comic book artist. He's been around mm-hmm. for, gosh, forever. Um, but he started a new publishing company, and he's republishing some older stuff that he and some, some buddies have done. And uh, there's this graphic novel called uh, The Faceless, by uh, Robert Tennell, who's a, who's a fantastic writer. And I sort of stumbled across it, and while I was reading it, I was like, I have to tell everybody I know about this, because this, this is awesome. <laughs> I'm going to have to check that out now. So you yeah. wrote for the Cosmic Book News? Yep, I still write for them. Oh, wow, okay. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I've probably read some of your stuff and didn't even realize it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's okay. I won't be offended. <laughs> yeah, I've been writing them for, for them for... Oh, I don't know. Quite a while now. I think I started in 2009. Mm-hmm. Wow. But, uh, yeah. I actually also used to write for a website called Atypical Tales that was uh, specifically about writing. But mm-hmm. uh, they don't... Uh, they kind of they kind of fizzled out. I'm not sure what happened there. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard of those guys. I heard yeah. of uh, Cosmic, uh, the other one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Cosmic Book News has been around for a while. And, yeah. Uh, Matt McGloin, the, the owner, is a great guy. He's, I think he, yeah, they're older than comic book comics. They're yeah, they're older than the comic book bin, which is actually rare. I mean, because we're this year we're ten years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh wow, really? I've been to your website uh, a number of times, but I didn't realize that uh, you've been around for that long. Yeah, ten years. <laughs> wow, that's in August. That's awesome. In August will be ten years. So, uh, and we change so often. I mean, the look. I'm trying to bridge in. <laughs> we change look so often that maybe people just realize, oh, it's a new site. No, it's not yeah. a new site. <laughs> I, I may have done that at some point and not realized it. I went through yeah. a period where uh, I, I just I didn't have time to look at any of the comic book websites. So mm-hmm. uh, I probably rediscovered you at some point. Now there's there, there's seven or eight that I that I, I skimmed the news and reviews and stuff on. But yeah. uh, you guys are on my my favorite list under cool. under comic sites. Fantastic. <laughs> We've got a new look, too. It's uh, Yeah, brand new it's look. It's incredible. Yeah, Herbie did a lot of hard work on that, and it's uh, pretty sleek. <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw that. I'm actually, it, it's sitting open in one of, my, one of my browser windows here. I did see it. <laughs> awesome. It, it reminds me of something, but I can't quite put my finger well, on it. We had this look way, way back in 205, <laughs> kind of. Um, I know what it reminds you of. Uh <laughs> I won't say, but it, I know what it reminds you of because I know exactly where I took it from. Uh, <laughs> can you tell me? I guess I could. I mean, it it it, it looks like Twitter. Oh yeah, it so it does. How uh, <laughs> did you say geez. it? I can't believe I didn't see that. It's Twitter. Here, here comes the cease and desist, man. <laughs> no, 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 no. Twitter is a hundred percent behind this. Oh, cool. No, Twitter is okay with that. There's no problem. Don't worry about that. Twitter is completely... That's what they want, actually. They want to promote guys like me using their stuff mm-hmm. to make our site look, look like Twitter. So, no, this is a, this is like a, this is Twitter encouraging uh, developers to... What it, what it is is subliminal ad campaigns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So this yeah. reminds me of something. I'm going to go tweet about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny because it, it, it is. I was looking at it, it is. Uh, and thinking, what what does this look like? And I couldn't put my finger on it until you said that. <laughs> wow. It's Twitter. It's, it's That's interesting, man. It's very inspiring yeah, that by is. Twitter. That's actually really funny. Well, it's changed. It's not exactly exactly the same, mm-hmm. but it 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 it's got a Twitter root. If if you look yeah. at it, like you you can find a family resemblance. If you open the two of them side by side, you say, "Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is Twitter. This is Twitter's well, kid." Twitter can be really addictive, so maybe that could be a good thing for the site. Maybe people yeah. get addicted to it. I yeah. hope so. I mean, we've been like, uh, I mean, Dan knows. I mean, we've been playing with the, I've been playing with the website and they know when I play with the website, they know, like they, they'll log in and they'll see, Oh boy, what, he, what has he done today? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was, I mean, I've been playing, especially the, the last few weeks. I've been playing a lot with the website and making crazy changes and, and trying all kinds of things. And then I said, let me try that one, that, that the Twitter stuff. And I did. Well, it looks said, really good. It's, it's very sleek. Well, I like yeah, it too. It's very easy to navigate because there's some websites. There's just so much stuff on it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. No, this this is very easy to to move through. Well, we've been like I've been trying to simplify and make it because I mean there are eighteen thousand articles on this site. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, there's eighteen. Well, yeah. There's a lot of stuff in the back, like tons of articles uh, from way back from two thousand and two. So there's tons of like. Whatever, like if you use a search engine type, whatever you want, you'll find something. Um, so it's huge. But how do you like let people look at such a huge amount of content easily? Um, so I've simplified some of the search. I mean, I'm still there's still some pages that need that need to be fixed. I mean, the search page needs to be fixed, uh, but they work. I mean, it's still the same content that's in the back. Yeah. But, uh, and there's lots of sections and so, so on, columns and so on. So how do you let people know, hey, there's a, this big website that's, people always say that we're a small website. I don't know why they say that. I think, uh, yeah. with 18,000 pages, we probably <laughs> have more pages than most websites on the planet. Yeah, you gotta be one of the bigger websites, but, yeah. you know, yeah. that's funny. I never even thought about how does a website store all their old stuff. I mean, especially when you get to the point where you're 10 years old. Yes. And you do have, you do have almost 20,000 different articles. Uh, that's never even occurred to me, but you know, that's a, that's a lot of stuff sitting on a server somewhere. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It is. And it's not easy to manage, um, to go through it. Um, so I, I tried my best. I say, let's start with this new look and let's simplify. Let's, I've always been trying to make things as simple as possible. I really want to make the, because I know there's a huge amount of content on the site. How do you make it easy? And especially the home page, which is the, 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 the first thing that most people see. It, it's not, it's always a challenge. Like, do you put more or do you put less? And this time I went with a little bit less. There's still a lot of articles on the first page. Uh, but it's, it's like, here you go and go ahead and discover. And yeah. once you get in, you see there's more options to see more stuff if you really want to. Um, but then, then probably, I don't know what you have to say, because you, you know about the, the, like, the stuff we cover. I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, there's a yeah, lot yeah. of stuff. And I like this. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not just, I'm not just blowing smoke at you. I mean, I like it. It's, <laughs> it's clean and clear and I don't have to, I don't have to 
hunt and peck for anything, but there's so much stuff that I could look at if I wanted to. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I've, I've actually been sitting here opening up various articles going, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, act up for president. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, uh, when I think, like, I don't think we were ever on the verge of, uh, you know, a sensory overload with our, our front page. But this new look is such a drastic change that when you compare it to something like Comic Book Resources or uh, Comic Vine or IGN, it's just like, holy cow, like, how can I even, <laughs> you know, look at these sites without losing my mind? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that, yeah. Because, uh, I, I mean, when I look at those sites, I feel how they have they have polls, they have things, they have, I'm like... Too much ads popping up, shooting at you. Yeah, there's no, too I much hate, stuff. I hate the ads popping up. They're trying yeah. to not. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I can't think of any comic book websites, but there are some websites that I go to. So many ads pop up that I just close the whole site and try to find it someplace else. Yeah, yeah. I know the info is on that site somewhere. I just don't want to deal with it. IGN has huge ads that pop up and just cover their whole page, and you have to search for the little tiny close button in the corner. <laughs> so oh, that would drive me nuts. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this one is simple, and uh, the homepage is, I don't know, it's, it's, I feel it's clean enough, and there's just yeah. enough material on the first page, and if you're really interested in looking for more stuff, just use one of the sections at the top, or the search, mm-hmm. and you're, you'll probably find too much articles, because, I mean, there's there's a lot of them. Don't Don't ever try to look for Batman, I mean... <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, you're gonna be looking at search results for like hours, and but I mean, but well, that's I just, the way it is. I just discovered a feature that I didn't know you guys even had with all the the comic book conventions here. That's really cool. You guys add these all manually? Um, yeah. Um, do you have a smartphone? Oh yeah, I do. Uh, which one, Android or uh, what? Uh, I've got an Android. Well, go download the comic book bin app. It's the same calendar of event that's in the comic book bin app. Um, oh, cool. It's I'll a free app. That. So, um, it's the same calendar that we have in the app. And when, and when you look at the, we have the, the same article that are, are on the website or on the app at the same time. So let's say we change a comma on the actual website. It also changes the comma on the app itself. So it's always updated. It's, it's updated exactly at the same time. So whether you use the app or you use the website, you always have the same content, uh, exactly up to date uh, and part of that is the the comic book convention listing so they're all listed in there um, stuff stuff that i've never even heard of <laughs> i don't know how you find this stuff man <laughs> yeah i was looking at it and i'm like i've never heard of that one never heard of that one i was like okay i'm gonna be at that one <laughs> yeah uh, it's, it's really extensive and it's really kind of impressive that uh it's a, it's a newer feature, isn't it? Or, or no, it's we've been, had it. We've had it since the app came out, but I yeah. think it's something that you've been. Um, I've been putting more effort in it. Yeah, you've been focusing more attention on it. Yeah. So now it is updated all the time, um, and I think it's probably the biggest comic book convention listing ever assembled, and it's and it gets updated all the time, continuously. Um, so, I mean, if, if it's not listed there and you're listening to this podcast, send an email to comic book bin and tell us about it. We'll, we'll make sure it's in there. Uh, we try to cover as much as possible. Um, and if oh, you, that's cool. yeah, and it's all free, it's free. I mean, they don't even pay for that service. 
Uh, and the other thing we also do within the app is the solo cater. It's the only one that actually works. <laughs> no, it's true. It, it works. It works in China. It works in France. It works in Belgium. works in Australia. Uh, if there's any comic book store in Africa, it will work there also. That's really cool because I found one uh, uh, a while back and it was bringing up stuff in like Virginia and I'm like, no, no, no that Vermont. One, I'm in Vermont. No, yeah. that one will work uh, in Vermont, um, but you can also like by default it's it's, it's it, it will know that you're in Vermont, so it's gonna list give you only stuff in Vermont uh, around 50k around your place. Um, but you can also type in another city or another place. Well, that's cool because you know when I'm on the road, sometimes I like to check out comic book shops that I normally go to. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, no, that, and I, that's one of the things I look for. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, that one is is based on it. It uses the GPS on your phone, so it oh, always cool. so it it knows like it's not it the list. It's probably even better than Diamond because Diamond. Uh, comic book stores have to pay to be in Diamond's list. Uh, with this one, it uses a GPS on your phone. It doesn't use, it does not use Diamond. So if there's a comic book store in Africa, in, and I've tried it in China, <laughs> I've tested it in China and it found me some comic book stores in China. <laughs> so I know it works. If it works in realize, China. I didn't realize that comic book shops had to pay Diamond to be. They do. On their directory. They that do. explains why my comic shop is not in there, because I've been buying comics there for more than 20 years, and mm-hmm. I never see them on list anywhere. People are always like, there's a comic book shop in Burlington? You know that? It seems like, it seems like nobody knows about it except for the people that have been going there forever. Yeah. But uh, that's funny. That's really cool that you guys can, uh, that, that it can pull that up uh, just based on the GPS. Yeah. That seems so awful, though. I mean, that's like Diamond uh, cutting off their nose to spite their face. Not I listing, know, that's... not listing all the people that order from them. <laughs> that, that doesn't make any sense to me. But no, I don't make the business decisions. So yeah, yeah. Well, I leave the business to somebody else because then the stuff makes my head hurt. Well, that's why you need <laughs> to download the comic book bin app. Then you'll yeah. find all the stores, and you can also type them in. And we bypass Diamond because, I mean, like I said, the store in China is not going to be paying Diamond either. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not. No, uh, but it, uh... it just works. Um, well, that's really cool. I'll have to download that. I guess, actually, the the reason uh, I had you guys call me tonight instead of trying to do Skype on my smartphone is that uh, it, it no longer picks up my Wi-Fi at my house, and I can't oh. figure out why. Huh. Interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah, it is strange, because every every other device I have here works just fine on the Wi-Fi, and my phone works on the Wi-Fi fine anyplace else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just it will not pick up my, my wireless router for some reason. Were you recently uh, traveling? No, that's the weird thing. Is okay. that it, it? It worked fine up until like three weeks ago, mm-hmm. and then it just suddenly wouldn't. And at first, I was like, "Oh crap, the router's down!" But my iPad and everything else can connect to it. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think Samsung just decided it no longer liked my uh, uh, my router. Well, my fiance has a uh, Samsung as well. She had the same problem when we went from San Diego to Philadelphia, and uh, she had to call customer service or whatever, and they walked her through this like ten step process to get it fixed. There's a bunch of um, settings that you have um, that automatically get uh, switched off uh, at some point if you if you trip, uh, you know, your your router or if you're traveling or trying to connect to a, a different router. So I might have to break down and call them if uh, yeah if it continues. Yeah, at this point, it's not a problem because I got the the computer and the iPad and everything. But it's yeah. just kind of one of those 
those frustrating things if you want to use it. Mm-hmm. Cool. So um, tell us what kind of comics you, you said you you read superhero comics. What else do you read, or is there um, anything special spe- particular? I read a lot of stuff. Um, one of my favorite one of my favorite books is The Walking Dead. Okay. And I got in a little late in the game. I started reading it uh, somewhere like in the mid fifties, um, so I haven't been reading it from the start. Uh, well, there was there was a sweet spot, I think. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was one of those things where, it actually, somebody had told me, "Hey, you got to start working, reading The Walking Dead," and I was and I had dropped, I had dropped like nine books that I've been reading forever, and I was like, "I gotta get, I gotta get something new, so why not?" <laughs> yeah. And uh, I couldn't get it. My comic shop literally was not getting. Um, any issues to put on on the rack because everything was going into subscription boxes, huh. and Jeez. I had to well, wait four months before before a new order cycle came around that I could actually get in on mm-hmm. before I could get my first issue. And then I was like, "Wow, I can see why why you never have any issues of this." Yeah. Um, so that's one of my favorite books. I also like uh, Tim Seeley's Hack Slash a lot. Um, yeah. I've been reading that for for quite a while. It's uh, it's gone to some weird places lately, but it, it it's still a really <laughs> it's still a really good book. Yeah. Um, and I, I like the fact that uh, it's sort of evolving beyond the formula of uh, hop in the van, kill an undead serial killer, pop back in the van. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now they're in, they're in South America right now, which I <laughs> I never would have seen coming. Them fighting 1950s style horror movie monsters. <laughs> uh, and the names that Tim Seeley comes up for these with for these things are hilarious. Like, yeah. Uh, uh, man, I can't even think of it now. It was right at the tip of my tongue. Uh, the the snake gorilla hybrid. Ooh. <laughs> that, I mean, that's who, who thinks of that? that that's just crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I love uh, Tim Seeley. I think he's a he's a really funny guy. I don't know. Did you read uh, the the new Blood Strike that he wrote? No, I haven't. I haven't actually. It's 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 pretty funny. Uh, I think it, it it took some heat from some of the bigger uh, reviewers, but I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was funny, and maybe people weren't uh, <laughs> didn't find it as humorous as I did. But I really like the way he uh, he writes. Uh, I'll have to check it out because he is a really funny writer. I love I, I love Cassie Hack's one-liners, and I love Vlad as her straight man. In fact. I hope they they clear up whatever's going on with him so he can get back in the action soon because yeah. uh, their interactions are my favorite part of the book. <laughs> but uh, let's see what else do I read. I, I like Garth Fennis' Boys. That's a good mm-hmm. book. In fact, I'm I'm kind of bummed even though there's still six issues left. I'm bummed just thinking about it ending. Yeah, that's been that's been one of my constants for so long. Um, I love Daniel Way's Deadpool. I think he is one of the best Deadpool writers uh, the series has ever had. Um, I don't know where he's going with that, with, with Deadpool wanting to kill himself. But <laughs> yeah, I, guess that's part, a... I guess that's part of the ride. I'll have to just wait and see. Yeah. Um, my favorite book, of my favorite comic of all time is uh, 2000 AD, The Vertigo mm-hmm. Anthology. Um, I've been reading that for a few years, uh, and I've got probably eight years worth of back issues. I've got... I've got oh, wow. one magazine long Jeez. boxes wow. just filled with 2000 AD. Wow. Uh, that's a really great book if, if you're not familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, every story is incredibly high quality. Uh, the only frustrating thing is is because it, if they actually come from the UK, they come in, in spits and starts. Yeah. You know, I'll get, four, I'll get four issues one week, and then I won't see any for six weeks. 
<laughs> but uh, it is a great book. I always I, I always enjoy it. And Judge Dredd is one of the most badass characters of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I can't wait for the new movie. Uh, I'm hoping I can't that either. It's gonna be. Fa- I think it's gonna be fantastic. And yeah. I'm telling myself that. So if it's not, I'm gonna be really disappointed. Yeah. yeah. No, I think it'll be good though. It's, I can't think of the name of the production company, but it's being made by the company that made Twenty Eight Days Later. Yeah, no, which, uh, awesome. All right, that's good. Yeah, that's a great movie. The sequel's not so much, but Twenty Eight Days no. Later is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm excited. The only thing I wish they weren't doing is I wish they didn't jump on the 3D bandwagon, because frankly, I'm sick of it. Yeah, yeah me, me too. That. They give me headaches. I mean, I, I wear glasses. I can't see otherwise, but. You know, I've been told that I get the headaches because I have to wear the 3D glasses over them, but yeah. I'd just rather see it in 2D anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm excited for that. I think that'll be a great movie. Yeah. And, I mean, all the stills that I've seen so far have been... I mean, it just looks so uh, gritty and, uh, I, I mean, you know, true to the comic books. So uh, it doesn't look like, uh, you know, a Sylvester Stallone <laughs> movie. No, so. no. I think uh, when that movie came out, I wanted to see it, and I, I didn't go see it in theaters. I don't remember why. And then it waited years before I, I actually saw it on DVD. Mm-hmm. And I, I I had heard that it was bad, mm-hmm. but I, I just figured it was people, you know, bagging on a Sylvester Stallone movie about a comic book they probably never read. Yeah. And then I saw it, and I was like, oh, my God, this is one of the worst movies of all time. <laughs> <laughs> so, it is. You know, I, 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 I won't have that kind of reaction to the new movie, I'm sure, but I'm just hoping that it lives up to the... Uh, it lives up to the comic because the comic yeah. is just it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, yeah I don't, what else do I read? I, I can't think of anything. Oh, uh, I read all the the Robert E. Howard adaptations that Dark Horse does. I'm like, oh, nice. I'm a huge Robert Howard fan. I have been since I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. In fact, when I was a little kid, I grew up in a in a pretty small town. Um, actually, not far from Burlington, Vermont, but far enough that being a comic book fan was not easy. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only comic I read, I could read on a regular basis when I was a little kid was Savage Sword of Conan because there yeah. was a gas station near my house. And honestly, I think the owner stocked it because he read it mm-hmm. because they had comic books, but that was the only comic book they always got in. I mean, <laughs> they'd have like, they'd have Avengers and Justice League of America and maybe Robin one week. And then next week they'd have, Spider-Man, Batman, and Moon Knight, but Rain or Shine, they always had Savage Sword of Conan, so I just fell in love with those comics as a kid, and I remember uh, I was at a used bookstore with my dad, and I found a collection, a tour collection from the, the late 60s, early 70s of all of, of Robert Howard's original Conan stories, wow. and I was like, oh, it's wow. a book? I think I was yeah. eight, but my dad bought it for me, and I just, I just fell in love with his writing. Yeah. Yeah, I remember... Uh... The same thing sort of happened with me as well. My dad was a big Robert E. Howard fan and had all the, uh, you know, Cormac MacArthur and uh, Solomon Kane and Conan books. Oh, and it was, uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, I was I was on the bandwagon for life. And I actually, yeah. I haven't been reading uh, Conan comics until just recently with this new uh, Brian Wood arc, um, which is, uh, it's been okay so far. Uh, I, I love the stuff that Tim Truman has been writing the last, uh, four or five years. Really? Tim Truman is one of my favorite writers of all time. He's one of my favorite comic artists of all time too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but his run, his run uh, writing with uh, Thomas Giarello uh, doing the art is mm-hmm. spectacular. It, it's a mix of of adaptations of of Howard material and new stuff, 
but cool. every issue is, is gorgeous and a fantastic read. Um, if you're if you're a comic fan and a Conan fan, you, you definitely should look those up. Oh, I have to check that out then. I sort of fell off the wagon with uh, Busick's uh, run, not because I didn't like it, but because I, I don't know, I just went through a period where I wasn't reading anything. You know, I was just uh, collecting things, and I, I was like, okay, enough is enough. <laughs> I think everybody goes for that phase at one point, because I, I did the same thing in the, the 90s. I, all the books that I loved got canceled, mm-hmm. and uh, or the companies went out of business, and uh, there just wasn't anything that I wanted to read. And I, I spent like three years not, not I would say not reading comics, but not reading anything new. Yeah. I, go into the comic, I would still go into the comic book shop every week, and I would spend an hour looking through the back issue bins and pick out mm. five or six, five or six things. Yeah, in fact, it happens all the time. It was Thunderbolt that got me back into reading comics on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I saw the I saw the cover of issue one, and I was like, that looks like a cool book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been reading that ever since. Mm-hmm. It's not easy when when you get into that phase where you, I mean where it's it's like you're almost giving up on comics. Yeah. Um, Never easy. I mean, I go through those phases all the time too. Uh, even at the bin, it's not easy. That's <laughs> actually worse. Oh, go ahead. No, it's, it's actually ahead. worse. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say. Go ahead, Brian. Um, every time I think I want to give up on comics, unfortunately, it hasn't happened in a while. I just find that one book that I'm like, yeah. this is awesome, and it just totally rekindles <laughs> my love. But I don't think I could ever truly give up comics. I just. I, I love everything about them too much. You know, reading them, creating them, whatever. I just want to be around comics. Speaking of that guilt, uh, I, <laughs> I recently had a, had this really uh, awful, like, conscience pang uh, at the comic book store because I want absolutely nothing to do with Avengers vs. X-Men. Oh, I don't But either. I've, I've been constantly, yeah, I, I have been constantly bombarded with this uh, AVX stuff for the past few weeks. And I'm standing there going, I'm not going to buy this, I'm not going to buy this. And then I reach for it, I look through it, and I'm like, nope, not going to buy it, you know. <laughs> Did you buy it? I, no? No, I didn't. I didn't. Good. Well, good. <laughs> no, I mean. I can't read any of the mega events anymore. Yeah, uh, I can't either. The last one I read was whatever the whatever the one that was after Secret Invasion. Uh, what Siege? Is it called? Uh, Siege. Siege, yeah. Yeah, that was Siege. awful. <laughs> yeah, and Siege was like, I'm like, okay. At least they got down that we don't want it to drag on for two years this time. Yeah. yeah. But it was still awful. And yeah. I, I've never really liked the mega events because I don't like that it invades all the regular books. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what's going on for, you know, two or three issues of your favorite book. And I don't like that you have to buy 10 limited series and 41 shots yeah. to get the whole story. Yeah. And I tried to keep up with Secret, or, uh, not Secret Invasion, uh, Civil War. I yeah, tried, too. <laughs> because there was some cool stories in there. Some of the individual yeah. stories that came out of that yeah. were really awesome. Mm-hmm. But I, at one point I realized I had bought like seven trade paperbacks and mm-hmm. a bunch of one-shots and limited series that I really didn't want to try yeah. and get a story that I discovered I didn't really care about. I only cared about certain parts of it. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm done. And I, I did read Secret Invasion because that seemed really cool. But it was the same thing. Overall, the storyline, I didn't care. It just seemed like a way to wipe out a bunch of continuity. Yeah, uh, well, that's exactly. If it wasn't so-and-so, yeah. it was a scroll. Mm-hmm. Come on. At yeah. least <laughs> I did enjoy when Quicksilver tried doing that, all the the, the dickhead stuff he's done over the years, trying to blame it on a scroll <laughs> version. 
Yeah. I forget who it was. Someone was uh, like... Mighty Avengers, I, I believe he did that in Mighty Avengers. Yeah, and I don't, I don't remember who it was, but somebody was like, come on, Pietro, you're just a dick. We know there was no straw. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. That, that was fun, but... Yeah, other you know, other than that, I just I've given up on it, and honestly, I don't miss them. I yeah. you know, there's there's plenty of other stuff to read. Um, I read mostly independent comics these days, anyway. I mean, almost yeah. everything I read is from Dynamite or, or or Dark Horse or Image. Yeah, yeah, I'm on a I'm a, on a big Image kick right now. I think uh, probably about ninety percent of the monthly books I'm reading are are from Image. Which is, is a lot of good stuff. Um, yeah, I, I really like uh, Fatal. Yeah. Uh, oh my god. Baker and Phillips. Yeah. But, you know, I, I liked I liked Criminal and the other stuff that they did. So mm-hmm. I mean, I knew I'd like I knew I'd like this. I'm not really sure what's going on yet, but yeah, <laughs> it, it's good. Well, for me, it's I mean, I liked Criminal and I liked uh, I liked Incognito. I think more than Criminal, which was. Oh yeah, Incognito. That's the other one I was thinking of. Yeah, I was. I thought that was a great book. But for me, Fatal, like Ed Brubaker, I can you know take him or leave him. It seems like I really don't like his Captain America stuff. Um, oh really? I I like Captain America stuff a lot. I know every everybody loves his Captain America, and I'm like, uh, it's not for me. <laughs> when he left, it, I dropped the book. I had no more interest in it without him. Yeah. Did I okay. love Captain America as a kid? With yeah. uh, with Mark Grunewald writing. Yeah. Oh, oh that yeah. was a long run. Oh boy. Yeah. He he was one of the greatest writers of all time. Yeah. And when 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 he unfortunately passed away, um, I don't know if that's the specific reason I stopped reading Captain America, but sometime around that, sometime around there, and I didn't read it until Ed Brubaker came back, and I read it because his Daredevil was fantastic. Yeah. Yep. But, yeah, yeah. He did some he did some good work on uh, uh, Detective Comics too that I liked. Um, but yeah, his Captain America just wasn't for me, especially around the time, uh, with Captain America coming back and everything that kind of lost me. And, uh, yeah, it was definitely different. Um, I, I, I didn't like that they brought, uh, Nomad back and killed him. Mm-hmm. I love Nomad. Nomad, I'm, I'm probably the only person other than Fabian Nisi Isaac has ever <laughs> said that. But I love Nomad. He's one of my favorite. He's one of my favorite underdog characters in the Marvel universe. I bought his series in the nineties. The one with the baby. Yeah, yeah. He had he had baby he had baby Bucky because he he rescued her from her mother who was a crack addict or something yeah. like that. Uh, yeah. And he kept telling himself he was gonna take he was gonna you know turn her into social services at the earliest opportunity. And he kept getting dragged into this stuff. And then eventually he had to realize that he. You know, he, he'd fallen in love with this adorable little kid, and he couldn't give her up. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually there's actually kind of a sad storyline in there about uh, some relatives of, of hers or grandparents or something like that trying to take her away from him. And he does eventually lose her because, you know, being a superhero on a motorcycle is not the ideal. <laughs> yeah. With a sawed-off shotgun. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was a really fun – that was a really fun book. I mean – Maybe Anissi Isaac did a lot of great stuff, but that was definitely one of my favorite books of the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the illustrations were also quite good also. Um, yeah, there was some, uh, was, it, was it Pat Broderick? Who no, had a long run on that? Uh, it was someone else. Uh, it wasn't Pat Broderick because he was working on Green Lantern at the time. Um, yeah. I know the last few issues of that had like, had like four different artists in six issues or something, but... Yeah, who, whoever had the long run on that, I forget who it was, uh, the art on that was terrific. Yeah. But uh, I think Fabian Nietzsche, 
uh, he's good with characters like that. Like I, he did a Hawkeye se series uh, in the early 2000s also. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I remember that. Uh, yeah. it, it had the same feel, uh, which is probably different than the last Hawkeye series that I've seen recently from Marvel, which are all packaged and over the top. And like, I think he's good with characters like that. I wouldn't say he's good with stuff like X-Men or like big themes. Yeah, yeah. But I, I would say with characters like with quirks like that, I think he's great with those. Um, yeah, I like the characters the that they're they're not necessarily superhumans. Yeah. But they, they they try. Yeah. He really he really writes the the sort of scrappy underdog really well. Yeah. Although actually come to think of it, that's one of the funny things is I remember a debate in the letters page of the Nomad book as to whether or not he was a superhuman. Because uh, originally the character had superhuman strength, mm -hmm. and they sort of quietly wrote that out without ever mentioning it. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it was a great book overall, and hopefully yeah. he'll be back, because I think he's been killed at least three times before. Yep. And it is the Marvel Universe. Yeah. <laughs> That's what AVX is for. It's all to bring Nomad back. <laughs> yeah, oh, that would be awesome. If, if that was the case... I would apologize and go back and buy all the trade paperbacks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I gotta thank it somehow. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, it, one of the, speaking of Fabian, um, I'm not even gonna try to say his last name, because I'll, I'll slaughter it. Nainisha? I don't know. Nainisha? Is that what it is? I don't know. <laughs> I think it's Nisi Isa. I think I heard somebody Nisi say Isa. that at a convention or something once, but I okay. think it's Nisi Isa. Okay. We'll go with, uh, we'll go with a mixture of both. <laughs> but one of, one of the, uh, really tragic things, uh, with the New 52 was, uh, right before the New 52 launched and, and the original series were cancelled, um, they stopped doing those double features in some of the Batman books and stuff, which was fine with me, um, but there was one, uh, Fabian Nisiaiza, uh, story, it was a Ragman story, and it was the only one that I thought was really incredible. And it, <laughs> you know, it got pulled out of the comic book that it was in, uh, maybe like two chapters into the story. And uh, I'd really like to see him finish that up. Maybe he'll get like a Ragman series someday. Yeah, I, I don't really read DC, but I knew he was over there. And I've been thinking about picking up some of that stuff because there was a time period in for quite a while, I don't think he was really writing anything, like in the late 90s, yeah. after, uh, after he, what was it, after he left Thunderbolts, there seems like a big gap where he wasn't really doing anything, but uh, I thought about going back and picking up some of the stuff that I wouldn't have seen around that time period that he wrote, because mm -hmm. I, mean, I, do, I do enjoy most everything that he's ever written. Yeah. He didn't have very good luck with... What was the, the book that he was on in the New 52, Hervé? Was it uh, Legion or was it Legion Lost? Uh, don't know. I think, uh, he got, I think he got pulled off whatever book he was on because it wasn't, wasn't doing very well. Well, uh, that's too bad. That's I took a few of those New 52 books. and I don't have any connection to most of the characters in, DC, in the DC universe because I didn't mm -hmm. read it growing up. And I, I, think it's, I think that's one of the things about the major companies is that if you don't roll up with some of these characters, it's hard to get into them. Yeah. Um, and I didn't think any of them were, were bad, they just they didn't make me want to keep reading them. Um, the only DC character that I've ever really been a fan of is Jonah Hex. And uh. his, his, his new book is, uh, it, it, it's interesting. 
it, it's definitely a, a different way to go with the character. Yeah, exactly. It's a way of uh, I feel like it's a way of bringing him into the into the fold, you know, because for a long time he was just kind of a fringe character and really had nothing to do with the DC universe. He might as well have been like a Vertigo character, you know. Yeah, so. I, I would like to see a Vertigo. Yeah. Well, there yeah. is there is one. There's a there's actually a Tim Truman. Um, oh wow. <laughs> there's a Tim Truman um, mini series with uh, Jonah Hex from the nineties. Hmm. Oh yeah, he did a couple of those with. Um, he he co-wrote them with Brad Joel Street, Lansdale, I think. Uh, something like that. I don't know. Because um, I I've seen there's a trade paperback that Amazon is always suggesting to me. That, uh, <laughs> it, it's Jonah Hex. And it's called Riders of the Worms, Riders of the Worm and such, I think. Hmm. And it, it, it lists Tim Truman and Joe R. Lansdale as the, as the writer. Yeah, what he did in that series, he made him a, like a former Southern, uh, what's it, their name, the Southern? Confederate? Yeah. Confederate. Yeah. yeah. So he was a Confederate and, well, an ex-one. Um, and he met with this circus and it was kind of crazy. It's some of it was kind of, uh, not creepy, but yeah, I guess you know, it was creepy. Like supernatural elements. No, 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 no. Like he was with that circus and Mm -hmm. like, and the, I I guess the, the, he was drugged to be part of the circus, uh, (laughs) with a freak show, basically not another circus, really a freak show. And, at one point, they're all in the desert, and they, they have no food. And as part of the freak show, there's this fat woman. So they have to cook her and eat her. Oh, <laughs> and That's messed up. And he's, that, he's actually show. drawn it. Like, she's, 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 like, on a barbecue thing, and, like, they're, you know. Rotisserieing <laughs> her? Yeah. And he, like, there's, but there's a couple of funny lines in there. For some reason, like... To brainwash him, they had to put him in some kind of mix, some kind of pickle juice, something. <laughs> so he's put in the, this uh, this barrel, and the guy, the the villain, keeps bugging him and talking to him, and he, and he goes at one point, "Stop bugging me, I, I'm I'm pickling or something like that." <laughs> well, I'll have to check that out. That's uh, yeah. a, that's I so do love and I do love Tim Sherman. Yeah. Uh, it's so it's kind of crazy. So if you like stuff like that, I mean, uh, for me, like the, the the woman barbecuing, that was a bit crazy. I didn't like that very much. That is pretty crazy. That's that's really messed up. But it's not even like it's just like an after talk. You know, it's not even like the big part it's, of the comic. Yeah, it's just oh, oh yeah, we're, we're women, hungry. Women in refrigerators and on rotisseries. <laughs> oh, that should man. be the that should be the new the new movement. <laughs> yeah. So I mean. Yeah, but it, it, obviously visually it was a great series. So uh yeah, it, it's it's from the 90s, the late 90s if I'm not mistaken. Um yeah, it's probably I know it's been collected. I'm pretty sure it's been collected, so it's pretty easy to find. Uh, yeah, I, I've I, got it I somewhere. spend a lot of time on Comic Book Database. It's a great website. Mm-hmm. And I see that they they did uh here's the one I was thinking of, Riders of the Worm and such. They also did one called uh Shadows West, and they did one called Two Gun Mojo. So I have to figure out which one is the one with the lady getting eaten and not get that one. (laughs) (laughs) Get one of the other two. (laughs) Because that does sound really gross. 
<laughs> well, you, it's just like a couple of panels. So, but anyway, I remember. That's all I remember from from that. That and the fact that he was like in a pickle barrel. That's all I remember. The, I don't remember anything else. But yeah, I'm gonna say that because he's a horror guy. That that's probably a Joe R. Lansdale. Yeah, not a Tim <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if Tim Truman gave him a look when he said, "Oh, let's uh, put the fat lady on a spit and roast her." <laughs> I, I would hope so for decency's sake. <laughs> yeah. No, that, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty out there. Yeah. <laughs> um. So um. So we've talked about um, the other your projects and so on. Uh, how do you find working with the Action Lab again? Like, I know we spoke about it, but I'm not exactly familiar with them. That's why. So uh, um, just for the people listening in, I'd like if we can talk more about Action Lab before we end this. Uh, oh, sure. They're great guys. Um, Sean Pryor, the publisher, and uh, Dave Dwanch, their creative director, are the two guys I've dealt with the most. Um, but, you know, they've they've been very supportive from the start. Uh, they're, they're very big fans of Jack Hammer, which is, is awesome because they make you know they made me feel less from the start. Like this wasn't just a book we're putting out. You know, you're our partner in this. Um, they've been very helpful. Anytime I've had questions about you know distribution or, or whatever, they've done their best to answer for me, and they've been very they've been very good guys to work with in terms of you know actually getting from me what I need to get to them. Um, you know, it's, they're not slave drivers or anything like that, because I've heard some horror stories from, from other folks about some publishers just, uh, they want you to pump stuff out like like a machine and just, you know, get it done, get us the book, we don't care how. And they're not like that, you know. They're, uh, they've been great guys to work with. Great. Um, so you said the book is coming out in June? Uh, Correct, it'll be out at the end of June. Okay. But I'm pretty sure, I mean, uh, we'll cover it even more. Well, there'll probably be a review in a few days anyway. <laughs> yeah. The first one. Yeah, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to, to reading what, what you think of it. Cool. I, I love reading people's reviews because it's nice to get different takes on uh, different takes on the work and see what other people get out of it. Because sometimes people pull stuff out of or out of my work that I had no idea was in there or had never occurred to me. Yeah. It's really interesting how different people can see the same thing and get totally different things out of it. Yeah, it happens all the time, yeah. What's, uh, I, um, Marion G. Harmon, I had reviewed one of his books, uh, was it last year? And I'd written this long review about, uh, it's called Wearing the Cape. And I think in part of the review, I, I kind of talked about some of the allegory that was in the, uh, <laughs> in the book. And he emailed me later and said, uh, "Yeah, not really sure where you got all that allegory from. I, I, that, none of that was none of that was intended." I was like, "Oh well, interesting." <laughs> that's funny, but yeah, that's 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 exactly what I mean. Is people can see whatever they want in it, yeah. and you know, I've I've had people I've had people uh, come up to me and, and and say, "Hey, you know, I, I read the preview of your book online and." and this is what you're trying to get across, and I think that's awesome. And you just smile and go, yes, I'm glad you like it. And then when they leave, you go, where, where did they get that come from? I, I have no idea what the person's talking about. <laughs> but, you know, it, as long as people enjoy it, they can take whatever they want out of it. That's, that's yeah. perfectly fine with me, because I just want people to like it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, are you on Twitter? 
Uh, yes, I am. Uh, I am easy to find. I am just Brandon Barrows. Okay, cool. Any uh, underscore in between, or is it all one word? No, all one word. All okay. Word. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I'm kind of addicted to Twitter. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's one of the reasons I got the smartphone when I had to upgrade my phone. <laughs> I, I wanted to be able to get online anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 really kind of uh, a problem. But, uh, we deal with it. <laughs> well, I would say I'm on Twitter. Uh, oh boy, what? Almost all the time. Yeah. I'm always on Twitter. Um, if it's not on a tablet or a phone, uh, Twitter is like I don't know. It's my best friend right now. <laughs> I'm always it's so on easy Twitter. to keep in the background. There, it's actually I I shut the internet off when I write so that it, it it's not a distraction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It, it can be it can be very easy to get distracted. Yeah, yeah. At the same time, though, it, it's actually kind of funny because I do it, but I know tons of other people that do it as well. It's like, all right, I'm going to get through these five pages, or I'm going to I'm going to ink these two pages, or whatever, and then I'm going to check my Twitter, or then I'm going to check my Facebook. It's like a way to reward yourself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> but uh, it's just it's just the level that our, our sickness goes to. Well, I don't know. For me, Twitter, because I get all my news from... I don't watch TV anymore, and I don't listen to the radio or, or read newspapers. Mm-hmm. So I get everything from Twitter. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to start feeding you uh, faulty information. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Hervé, did you hear about the uh, California slid into the Pacific Ocean? <laughs> um, I'll say, no way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll retweet it right away. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of weird because yeah, that, uh, that would be a trending topic, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't even like. I'm not even in, into Facebook at all these days. I mean, I, I log in just once in a while to see what's happening, but I'm not yeah. even into Facebook. Like, I don't know. My Facebook is, uh, I don't know. It's where I've done I don't pictures. Use, I don't use it either. I mean, my wife is on it all, all on her Facebook all the time, and she created an account for me because she didn't like that I wasn't on. <laughs> and if I log into it once every two weeks, that's that's my frequent visit. That's frequent visits for me. I actually kind of forgot about it for quite a while, and then somebody tagged me in a photo or something, and I got like 40 emails in a day. Someone so liked the photo you were tagged in, and I was like, oh, I, I do have a Facebook account. <laughs> nah, uh, I use Twitter all the time. Yeah, I do too. I'm on it. I'm on it constantly. And I see it's you, Dan. Cool. You're also using it a lot, Dan. I mean, you're pretty uh, busy on on Twitter, Dan. Yeah, there's, there's Ooh, a, me. Yeah. Oh yeah, I have been recently because I've been. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's I've had some downtime this week, so I've just been like <laughs> <laughs> saying whatever's on my mind, you know. <laughs> But yes. Yeah, I, I really like it because, uh, I, I like, like, uh, like you were saying, it's it's a good resource for news, and uh, you know, contacting people. And I'm surprised it hasn't made Facebook obsolete the way Facebook has made uh, MySpace obsolete. You know, but well, maybe I, that's just a matter of time. You know, I don't know. It's different. Like, uh, like I, for me, Twitter is not my personal friends and family. Yeah. For me, Twitter is the world. Like if I need to interact yep. with whoever, what I like, you know, it's Twitter. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't post. I don't know. I don't do the same type of stuff on the 
on Facebook. Facebook is for friends. I go on vacation. Yeah. I, I took pictures. Okay, hey, it's for you guys. Yeah. Um, well, it's, I, I talk a lot about politics on Twitter, and uh, yeah. I'm not, none, of, none of my followers are people that I know, you know, personally. Exactly. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be saying that stuff, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Twitter is a great way to meet to meet uh, other people in industries that you're yeah. you're part of. I mean, I, I have met so many comic book people that I never would have met otherwise through yeah. Twitter. But, but Facebook, I think I've got like 45 or 50 friends or something like that, and virtually all of them are, you know, people that I went to high school with that added me or family <laughs> yeah. members or things yeah. like that. Yeah, that's what I've got on my Facebook too, friends. And, yeah. uh, and people that I used to work with uh, mm-hmm. or things like that. But n- no, for me, like the real network where everything's moving and there's a lot of stuff happening, and for me, it's always on Twitter. Yeah, um, I think it's because it, it there's less stuff that you can put on Twitter, so people put more on because you don't feel like everything has to be important. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's easy. It's easier for me to just type something out on Twitter and get a response. But every time I put something on Facebook, I'm like, gosh, do you know? Do I want? Do I want to put this? Do I want to put that? You know, I want people to actually read it. I have to feel myself. I myself putting more thought into it, so I use it yeah. less. I know that sounds like I'm trying to avoid thought, but that's no, I, I, kind of bad. But no, I, I completely agree because it's like, well, how how will my friends and family perceive what I'm about to write on here? Ah, screw it, I'm not even going to write anything, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And you know, it seems like it's actually harder to connect with people in any sort of meaningful way on Facebook when you're doing stuff like the comic book stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, your favorite your favorite comic book creator probably has 4,000 friends on there and doesn't know yeah. two-thirds of them. Mm-hmm. But on Twitter, it, you know, you're sending something, you can send something right to someone. Whether they respond or not is their choice, but they'll probably see it at least. Yeah. yeah. And uh, if they like it, they retweet it, and then it goes crazy. and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I've said some stuff that I didn't think anybody would even pay attention to, and I, I find it's been retweeted a hundred <laughs> times or something. Yeah, yeah. That actually always surprises me is that people are actually reading the things that I say. Yeah. So, um, um, so I guess uh, we'll probably end the podcast here. Uh, thank you very much, uh, uh, Brendan, for coming. Uh, yeah. Oh, it was absolutely. Awesome thank you very much for inviting me. It's, it's been a blast. Yeah, this was a great, great discussion, and uh, really, uh, I'll finish up Jackhammer uh, this weekend. Oh, you didn't finish either. No, I didn't finish it either, but <laughs> I made you feel bad about it, and I didn't finish it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, at least it all came out in the end. Yeah, well, we'll let you, uh, we'll let you know what we think. Um, maybe I'll, I'll post a review too. Oh, absolutely! I, I would love to read it. Like I said, I love seeing different people's. Uh, takes on it and what they got out of it so I, I'd be happy to, to read both of them and of course I, I very much appreciate the support well it's well, coming we, up yeah we love supporting uh, small press guys I mean like we were saying we're, we're not really connecting with anything in Marvel and very very little stuff in uh, DC so for us uh, you know creator and stuff is kind of I think where the industry is going. So well, we it is more you guys. fun. It is more fun. I mean, because I mean, at least when you like, you open something like Jackhammer, there's no expectation. You you have no clue what you're gonna find in there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like you look at the visuals at first. I mean, because I mean, we got it from the press release uh, that I well, I got a press release earlier this week or last week, and you have not. I mean, there was a, there were a couple of pages, but I didn't read them I, even though I did post them. But it, I guess, the first hook was the the artwork. So ah, this is interesting. This is different. Let's see where it goes. And then you get the the actual comic, and then you you it's a this just like what you built. You built a whole universe, a whole a whole new way of seeing comics and and stuff. What what you call powers, uh, which was interesting also because it's it, it's always interesting to see the the good old superhero reinterpret like a, a new take on on superheroes. Yeah. Um, and that's what like independent comics bring. Like you're not expecting the same oh okay the joker is here penguins here batman's here <laughs> yeah. you know it's probably yeah, absolutely that's one of the things that i don't like about mainstream comics is that i love a lot of the characters but a lot of the stories just don't seem important because you know that ultimately nothing significant is going to change <laughs> yeah and if something significant is going to change they're going to let you know way ahead of time because they yeah. want to build hype and read about it yeah, yeah. and it, it's frustrating because even Even when you're in a situation that it could seem sensual or dramatic or whatever, it's not really because you know that Green Lantern or whoever is not really going to get killed off, even though he's in a dangerous situation, because it's his book. Yeah. So, yeah. but anyway, I, I'm, I'm glad that you guys uh, have liked what you've read so far, and I look forward to uh, to reading your reviews. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks very much for coming on. It was it was a blast, and uh, hopefully we'll get to do this again soon. Um, but uh, for now, thanks for joining us, everybody, and thanks for listening. Um, this is Dan Horn, Herve San Luis, and Brandon Barrows signing off. Thanks.